where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. I don't know for sure, but I imagine that is a meaningful song to Peace Pilgrim. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. Peace Pilgrim is quick to point out that a pilgrim is a wanderer with a purpose. Sort of like the bumper sticker tells us all who wander are not lost. She is not lost, but she is a wanderer. And their job as a pilgrim is to rouse people from apathy. The word we use now is woke. So she went around waking people up, if you will. And as she wandered, she shared what she knew of the ways of peace. And I imagine that over the 28 years that she wandered as a pilgrim, her message got more and more refined, and the ways of peace that she knew as she began evolved over time as well. She traveled with no money, and she did not accept money. She was not beholden to anyone. No corporate sponsorships, if you will. And her pilgrimage began January 1st, 1953. That doesn't happen by accident. That's quite a New Year's resolution, actually. She was in her mid-40s. And she followed very simple guidelines. She walked until she was given shelter, and she fasted until she was given food. She never asked for these things. She didn't approach people, she waited for people to approach her. And it was her tunic, her very short sort of smock or apron, if you will, if you're not sure what a tunic is, that served as an entree into conversation. Her tunic said, her name, Peace Pilgrim. And on the back it said, walking for peace, and at times I think it did shift, uh, walking 25,000 miles for peace. And because she didn't approach people and people came to her, the ones who were interested in peace are the ones that came to her and the ones who also, as she noted, had a lively curiosity. Curiosity is such an important piece of a spiritual journey. It reminded me of uh, at a time when there was quite a bit of anti-Muslim sentiment in our country. Um, a very creative Muslim couple who put up a sign that just, just said, conversation with a Muslim, and there were donuts at the table. That was their entree into conversation, and it did help to change people's minds and understandings. It's a remarkable proposition to consider that someone in their mid-40s spent 28 years living as a pilgrim in this country. 
sort of reframes retirement, doesn't it? If you ever start to think that you might be too old to be used by God, think again. Peace Pilgrim is a stark reminder of all that God can do with each and every person that's willing. So it was in her first 11 years that Peace Pilgrim actually exceeded her goal of 25,000 miles. And so she kept going. And I, I sense the, um, the shift over time for her because she started with a goal like many of us would. But then over time, I think she stopped keeping track. One thing I know for sure she stopped keeping track of was her age. Uh, it wasn't until I saw a YouTube video of her sister that her age was revealed. You can count on siblings to do annoying things like that, but for Peace Pilgrim, it was just another thing that she let go of. And so the spiritual journey is also a journey of subtraction, of what we let go of, mental constructs, of physical items, um, and what we make room for like when our breath expands and we make room for the Spirit of God, not just in our lungs, but in our veins, in our heart, and in our minds. Along with her walking and her conversations, Peace Pilgrim also spoke to college classes. Uh, she did radio interviews, she did TV interviews, and it's in one of these interviews, one of her last interviews, uh, that we're going to use... Um, a clip of that for our scripture this morning. So let's listen to the scripture as it is proclaimed by our new friend, Peace Pilgrim. Peace, uh, the Bible tells us that wars will always be with us. Uh, what do you say to people who say that? Do you think that this one little effort can make a difference? It actually says that there will be wars and rumors of wars, but that prophecy has been fulfilled amply throughout the century. I, I don't see why we should want any more fulfillment of that prophecy. It also says, and they shall beat their sores into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Perhaps the time has come for the fulfillment of that prophecy. I believe it has. I think this, of course, is what all of us really desire, and yet there is so much pessimism. I was talking to a lady who said, I'm praying with you for peace, but of course I don't believe it's possible. I said, don't you think peace is in accordance with God's will? Oh, yes, she said, I know it is. I said, well, how can you tell me that that which is in accordance with God's will is not possible? It's not only possible, it's inevitable. Only how soon is up to us. Now, I know that all good effort bears good fruit, and so I keep on making what good effort I can. I leave results in God's hands. They may not be manifest in my lifetime, but eventually they will be manifest. She's good, isn't she? I love it. Scripture also says, 
And that prophecy has been fulfilled. Why would we focus on that? Nice reframing, Peace Pilgrim. And I'm guessing that over the years, she also reframed what became her one-sentence message. This is the way of peace. Overcome evil with good, falsehood with truth, hatred with love. It's not new. But I imagine her saying it in a way that's dynamic and animated and also leaving room for someone else to ask a question. I would have loved to have run into her and to engaged in that kind of question. There is something that rings true about what she says. She seems to speak in truisms, but she also has a way of captivating. And, and it's really exciting to have shared Peace Pilgrim with Beth. Some of you know her as Beth Silkinson, but her married name is Beth Zwicky, I think. Sorry, Adam, if I got that wrong. Um, but Beth has been also learning from Peace Pilgrim this week, and she's going to share a message with us now. Hi, I'm Beth, and I love Peace Pilgrim. Um, but I had never heard of Peace Pilgrim until Sarah asked me if I would be willing to participate in a service with the theme Walking for Peace, all about the life's work of this woman known as Peace Pilgrim. Um, and it got me thinking, I haven't been a student for over seven years now, and I have not even had the urge to be a student. Um, although I've been a teacher and professional development leaders for educators do try their very best to engage us. Um, but I really hadn't felt the urge to learn in a way that a student does until Sarah mentioned Peace Pilgrim to me. And then I subsequently began browsing through the teachings of this woman. When I was in college studying English at CSU, I would pause when I was reading in my little dorm room to write down quotations from what I was reading on colorful sticky notes. And it started as just a handful above my desk and then it gradually expanded to cover the entire wall, which was very interesting to people who would come in to the dorm. And then I packed them all up at the end of that freshman year and attached them with blue sticky tack to my rented apartment bedroom the next school year, which ended up costing me the security deposit due to that wall uh, mess of blue. But um, I... I haven't been inspired to aggressively scribble down quotations in years, and I can't describe how much I've missed that feeling. To hear a writer speaking so loudly to me through what they wrote years and years ago, and to feel so completely convinced of what they're saying as being true. And then to celebrate that certainty by copying it down in my own loopy handwriting and smiling at it. This time I covered a journal with Peace Pilgrim's words instead of the wall. Peace Pilgrim spoke and wrote about having a right attitude toward life, of realizing that no problem or perceived form of suffering comes to us without a purpose, 
she said if i was doing something i knew i should not be doing i stopped doing it and if i was not doing something that i knew i should be doing i got busy on that it startled me how easy it was to grasp the simple truth of her convictions and yet how very difficult it is to actually live these convictions because what she did how she lived in the period of her life where she called herself peace pilgrim seems to me somehow incomprehensibly difficult and enviably simple at the same time she said if your life is in harmony with your part in the life pattern and if you are obedient to the laws which govern this universe then your life is full and good but not overcrowded if it is overcrowded, you are doing more than is right for you to do, more than is your job to do in the total scheme of things. I read that in her Steps Toward Inner Peace, which was the pamphlet she carried with her on her over 25,000 mile pilgrimage. And I thought, oh, what a relief. The overcrowdedness of my inbox and my headspace and my to-do list at work must be more than is my job to do in the total scheme of things. And I like imagining how that conversation would go with my boss. Is it attractive to most people to consider the possibility of dropping literally everything and going for a never-ending walk instead? Peace Pilgrim says she carried with her only what she needed, slipped into the pockets of her tunic. And in a video clip I watched, I glimpsed a small comb and a toothbrush. I've attempted to become a peaceful backpacker. For the past five years, due 100% to the influence of my husband and our summers spent on the Colorado Trail. These trips feature monster packs stuffed to the bursting on my part due to an affinity for multiple pillows, clean clothes, and as much variety to my backcountry culinary provisions as possible. In my time spent reading and listening to Peace Pilgrim talk about her life, I found it most refreshing to witness her unwavering faith. Her faith was in God, but also in humanity and the universe. She had complete trust as she traversed the country by foot and all alone, that all would be provided for her. For truly, she did need more than a comb and a toothbrush. The letters on her tunic, Peace Pilgrim, 25,000 miles for peace summarized better than anything who she was and what she needed. With this message so clearly displayed, walking on overpasses with a childish swing to her arms, she says she never needed to ask anybody for anything. She believed that world peace is the desire of every human's heart. And as she fed the souls of those lucky enough to meet her, they provided nourishment and shelter and conversation. It's a matter of need level, she said admitting the need level of a pilgrim is about rock bottom. This made me smile, and then I thought about how much fun I've had backpacking in recent years and the comical difference between my 30 plus pounds and her paltry display of personal hygiene products. But I'm just so thankful I'm strong enough to carry all the material things I've deemed that I need. But I'm getting distracted. I'm gonna cut myself some slack since I'm quite a bit younger than Peace Pilgrim was when she reached this stage of her life. What she embodies to me is complete spiritual maturity. I'm too busy thinking about what inner peace would give me personally instead of what it would give the world. 
I think about myself constantly. What I said, what I did, what so-and-so might have thought about what I said or did, what I need, what I want, what I need others to do or stop doing, and it's exhausting. These pilgrims said she was never tired. She had relinquished, relinquished all of the burdens that still weigh heavily on me and on many of us, I imagine, and in doing so was able to live a life devoted to giving and not getting. And how fitting that she had what most anybody really wants, peace. The last thing I would like to say is the last thing I wrote down in my journal that she said, and this I'll hope to carry with me every day. Results should never be sought or desired. Know that every right thing you do, every good word you say, every positive thought you think has good effect. Following Beth's lead, I'd like to share with you the quotes that I found myself scribbling down. I don't have loopy handwriting, but um, I did write down quite a few of Peace Pilgrim's quotes because there's something about her words, as I said earlier, and even as Beth said, that ring true. Of her one-sentence um, message, what really jumped out for me is overcome falsehood with truth. I'm sure that many of you won't be surprised by that, recognizing that much of my time in ministry is about equipping people uh, and pointing out where distractions and distortions and diversions of scripture and even of other matters related to life are causing harm. And what I love about this quote, Overcome Falsehood with Truth, and about having had Peace Pilgrim proclaim to us scripture, is that she really demonstrated what that means. What it means is actually our need to really do our homework and to be able to speak to things that are untrue and to lift up what is true. And so when the person asked her about the prophecies of war, that was not untrue, but that's not the whole story. And then to actually present us with the possibility that this prophecy has been fulfilled many times, which it has. So why, why would we want that to be fulfilled again? Let's focus on this other one, which is the way of peace, of turning swords into plowshares. In this time where literally, here in Colorado anyway, um, our atmosphere and our air is filled with particles of smoke, we must learn to see through the smoke screens and the distractions and to speak to what matters and to speak words of peace. That's also a learning on the spiritual journey. Another quote that I wrote down is, if you realized how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. It's a mistake to underestimate the power of thoughts. And there were many years in Lent, and I, th I think once I started this, which was probably about seven or eight years ago, I've had to do it every year. So that, that tells you that it's an ongoing process, but I remember giving up self-deprecating thoughts 
Not the same as negative thoughts. Um, it was mostly about my relationship with myself and what messaging I give myself. But I think that this holds true as an important, as an important quote to consider. If you realized how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. Let's try that this week and see what happens. She also says, I love people and see the good in them. There is a spark of good in everyone, no matter how deeply buried. And I know several weeks ago, you were invited to pray for someone for whom that spark was hard to see. Have you continued that practice? How would your life be different if you approached everyone or looked at everyone and believed that there was a spark of God within them? When it came to possessions, Peace Pilgrim did have a comb and a toothbrush, and I also saw once that she had a pen in her tunic. She says, unnecessary possessions are an unnecessary burden. If you have them, you have to take care of them. It is those who have enough but not too much who are the happiest. It's been a delight to see people, especially in their early weeks um, of needing to spend more time at home, putting things out on the curb for free. I actually picked up a snow shovel, which um, we didn't think we'd need here for some reason. I don't know why, but we now have one, a full-size one. And I wonder about that, about that practice of putting things out to the curb for free, of simplifying your life and releasing unnecessary possessions. I take it either that family had two or they were moving someplace else. But to be clear, the, the way to peace that Peace Pilgrim talks about a lot is an inner search. She says, the only way to find peace on earth is to find peace within. And part of that inner search is bringing into alignment your beliefs and the way you live. She's quick to point out, as others have, that the world is your mirror. So if all you're seeing in the world is conflict and deceit and things um, that are not peaceful, look inside and see what that might be mirroring in you. From my experience of doing this practice, I can tell you that the more I ignore what's happening inside, the more magnificent what I see happens outside. So in other words, because you're seeing something very big that is a problem or that needs to be tended to, it doesn't mean that it's a huge thing in you, but it is something, something to be tended to. And going back to sort of uh, possessions, simplification of life is also a step to inner peace. It's not just possessions, though. It's about the filling of your schedule. Wasn't it noteworthy when we were staying home more to see people out on walks? I see the parks filling up at lunchtime with conversation circles. How are you being asked to simplify your life? 
And I do believe that world peace is the desire of each person because that spark within us that comes from God is going to mirror God's desire. And I do believe it is God's desire that we live in peace. And this morning, between our centering prayer and our music and these times of reflection, we're hoping to magnify and awaken this desire for peace that you might have lost touch with. And I, I thought about offering a, another prayer that would allow us and the invitation to each of you would be to feel what it's like to be unencumbered, even if it's just for a moment. You know, in contemplative practice, if you have an experience of God, that serves as your foundation for the rest of your life. It's not that you only have one, but when you do have one, you go back to it again and again and again. It's an opportunity to lay your burdens down just for a moment. Last week, the story about a hummingbird was very telling about doing what you can and about the hummingbird flitting back and forth with just a single drop of water onto a fire while other much larger animals stood on the sidelines, animals that had the capacity to carry much more water. And all we were asked were to be the hummingbirds that we are and to do the best we can, just that one drop at a time. And I think that the flitting of the hummingbird is a good image for our busyness. And busyness is necessary at different points in the day. But it wasn't until my last retreat, just about a month ago, that for the first time I saw a hummingbird at rest. It was completely at rest. Have you ever seen that? And for me, in that time of retreat, it really was an opportunity for me to just stay still. You know the song, I need to be still and let God love me. 